Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Do you ever get frustrated when trying to make a presentation or convince your team at work about a certain way to do something, but you keep getting derailed by irrelevant questions, irrelevant points, you may be facing attacks from someone who is using logical fallacies in their arguments. In this episode, we're going to discuss fallacies in formal logic, specifically fallacies of relevance. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, I've been fighting a uh, fallacy of relevance, actually. Um, and that would be the Windows operating system. It's a giant pile of crap. My personal machine crashed seven times between 4.30 yesterday afternoon and 9.30 last night. It's been you know, just randomly blue screening uh, since this latest update. I've had all kinds of stuff fail. I've had it just, you know, you're playing a game and it just exits a game. Yeah. And you're back on the desktop. Yeah. So a lot of stuff is really, really going wrong. I am very highly prioritizing getting away from Windows entirely this year. It's like, look, everything else is messed up due to COVID anyway. Now's a good time to do that. And just, just, you know, along with that, switching stacks and switching over to Node because, you know, C Sharp is a second class citizen on all these other platforms. And, you know, with all the TypeScript stuff I've been looking at, it's, it's like, dude, you know, there's, I'm running to something and I'm running away from something. And, so I'm, I'm really trying to work that out. Uh, our recording uh, on this recording box, which is an Ubuntu studio box, worked great last week other than some physical discomfort because the desk layout is not optimal. Yes, it's working great. I did have one issue where it locked up and I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, you know, that was that was after we got done recording and uh, we were shutting off like audio streams and that kind of stuff. And then it locked up. So it was, it was something strange, uh, but it's been rock solid. So yeah, I'm just, I'm looking at it going, you know what? It's now is like really good time to just switch off of windows. I, I feel like treating it like a professional workstation environment is sort of like treating a really strong laxative, like it's cough syrup. It might fix your problem, but that's incidental and it's probably just going to make a mess. And <laughs> that's where I am now. Uh, it's top priority to get rid of this problem forever. Cool. How about you? Well, I attended uh, Codeland Distributed last week. I don't know if you guys know this, but Code Newbie uh, got bought out by Dev. And uh, so they did a combined conference for Codeland this year. Um, and since the COVID stuff is going on and we're we're not able to get together for conferences, they did it all online, which meant my my talk or well, actually, it was a workshop that I submitted this year didn't get picked because it was actually physical and you, you had to be there in person to kind of to go with it. So but I still attended. It was really cool. The first day was free. It was basically just a 12 hour live stream of talks and panels. And that was kind of cool because it's gone global so people were watching from all over the world. The second day, uh, in my opinion, was better because it was workshops using Zoom. 
So that was really cool. I learned a lot of information during the two workshops I attended. And uh, it was nice because the speakers stayed after in the Zoom chat and talked to the people who wanted to talk. So that was that was really cool. Took Monday off for a couple of doctor's appointments because I had another conference that uh, a church-related conference I'm attending today and tomorrow. What's really cool is tomorrow's keynote is John Maxwell, who wrote the book 17 Essential Qualities of a Team Player that we went through. Ah, I knew it recognized the name, but I was like, Maxwell's Equations? Yeah. Or the Beatles song? I couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it wasn't that one. I wouldn't imagine that would be a conference talk, at least not over Zoom. It would be physical. Yeah, so uh so that's that's really cool. And in really awesome news, Amanda got the job. Nice. Uh, I know I talked about that uh, uh a little bit back. Uh, I'm still a little fuzzy on all the licensing details and and all that stuff, but she's going to be teaching high school this year uh and going to be taking some courses as part of her her licensure. I'm not sure. I think it'll count towards a master's degree for some of it. It's all rather confusing. Uh, I've helped her out with the the application process because, uh, as Will knows, I've applied to many, many universities throughout my lifetime. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Can't really add anything to that. I mean, you know, it's when your significant other is a teacher, just the amount of stuff, you know, the amount of paperwork that is normal in that profession just boggles my mind. I don't I don't know how they put up with that and stay sane like a tenth as much would drive me right over the edge oh yeah oh yeah and and getting a straight answer about stuff because you got the local level and then like the county level and then the state level and And then the the union level (laughs) yeah and like oh it's it's all sorts of craziness that i just was like, all right, I'll um and federal law in the mix and yeah. I'll take you out for wings and beer to let you to help you relax and we'll be good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. That's that's basically what your function is in that situation. It's not to oh, yeah. fix things. Yeah. So guys, take your financial confidence to the next level. Lucas Casares is a fee-only certified financial planner and financial coach serving tech professionals with his company, Level Up Financial Planning, virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Level Up Financial Planning changes the financial planning game by empowering you to live your best life, regardless of whether you are just starting up and need to build your financial foundation or mid-career and navigating complex and competing goals. Yeah. And y'all, what's best of all, Lucas and Level Up Financial Planning is a fiduciary for his clients. And this requires him to act in his client's best interest. He is not a salesman. Uh, a lot of financial planners, their their primary role is to sell you different things. That is not Lucas at all. He's a really great guy. Will and I uh, spent some time getting to know him before we started doing these ads for him. But uh, with him, you only pay as long as you are getting value and you stop paying when you're no longer getting value from him. Yeah, and if you want some free samples of the kind of value you can get, uh, he's got a lot of resources um, available at levelupfinancialplanning.com. So go check those out. Logical fallacies are errors in reasoning that can 
invalidate an otherwise good discussion or formal argument or debate. A formal fallacy is an error in the form in which you present your argument. You may be correct in what you are saying, but it may be out of order and just sounds like nonsense. Whereas an informal fallacy is an error in what you're actually saying. The structure may be correct and it may sound correct, but the actual content of the message doesn't make sense. Logical fallacies can fall into one of four categories. Uh, These would be fallacies of relevance, fallacies of omission, fallacies of ambiguity, and component fallacies. Fallacies of relevance have to do with examples or appeals to evidence or people who are not relevant to the argument. Fallacies of omission are due to important or necessary information being left out of an argument. Fallacies of ambiguity happen when the meaning of words or phrases change throughout the discussion. And component fallacies, because I forgot to type this one out. Uh, in you the missed a component. You omitted yeah. a component. So which fallacy is that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> component fallacies have to do with the pieces of the argument. So the structure and how it's set up, you know, where your your premise is not a given or something like that. Oh, what we're going to do here, when I started working on this outline, uh, my idea was to grab a few from each category. But as I got into it, I realized, y'all, there are a lot of logical fallacies out there. Like, I I forgot, but there is an entire college course on them. So we're going to start somewhat of a series, basically a couple of episodes talking about the different groups of fallacies. They're not going to be sequential. We'll just go through one or two groups at a time, but we will get through all four groups of fallacies by the end of the year. In this episode, we'll be discussing several of the common logical fallacies of relevance that you might run into when you're interacting with others. For each one, we'll describe the fallacy talk about how to recognize it in a conversation, and finally, some tips on how to overcome that fallacy. So this group of fallacies have to do with using examples that are not relevant to the argument or appealing to evidence that are not associated with the premises or with the conclusion. Yeah. And so I've labeled each one based on their Latin name, except for the very last one, which does not have a Latin name. So when we read these out, uh, the first thing we're going to do is tell you what the translation or the more common name for it is. The first one being argumentum ad baculum. Right. And this is more commonly known as the appeal to force or the might makes right fallacy. Yeah. In this fallacy, the argument uses some sort of threat or some sort of actual violence or force to coerce the other party into accepting a certain conclusion. Yeah, and this threat doesn't have to be of a physical nature. It could include financial or professional consequences, such as threatening someone with the loss of a job or poor grades if they don't agree Mm -hmm. with you. Yeah, some examples I read of this when I was working on the outline, an argumentum ad baculum fallacy would be if a professor says, you have to agree with me on these political statements in order to get a good grade in this class. Whereas a professor saying you have to meet certain requirements, like writing 
so many papers or something like that uh, to get a good grade in this class would not be okay. a fallacy. You know, this one's really tough to overcome because typically the person using this fallacy has power, right? They have authority. They have something you want. So you either have to call their bluff or appeal to a higher authority, right? Like force is always an escalating thing. Mm-hmm. Once you start using it, you've got to use more of it. It's basically like XML. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this could be something to where you have a manager who is trying to get you to do something unethical and says that if you won't, that they'll let you go and find someone else who will. Right. And so you got to go to their manager. And if they don't have a manager, you maybe have to go to the authorities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, there's not a simple solution here. You're, you're either going to call their bluff on it or you got to, or move up or move on. I mean, the other option too is just to walk away from this. Yeah. I mean, it, at the point where this argument comes out, there is no longer an actual discussion being had, right? It's mm-hmm. just threat of force. You respond like you would to a threat of force because that's what's there. Yeah. So the next one is argumentum ad vericundium. Yeah, the literal translation of this means argument from that which is improper. So I can think of a very, very good, you know, mama says, (laughs) right? Um, You know, this is the college kid that, uh, what was the movie about, you know, the the kid that was talking about foosball? My brain's not working today. Uh, It was an Adam Sandler movie, um, Waterboy. Yeah. Was that Waterboy? That was Waterboy. Yeah. They kind of blur a little bit, but the way he, you know, he was in, was it, was it the, it was about why alligators are so ornery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I can see that now, you know, all the, all the Karens are mad because all the stores are closed and they don't have any managers to talk to <laughs> like that. You know, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, that that's not really an argument yeah. from anything. Um, so this, this is an, um, I, I specifically put this one as the second one because the one of the solutions to the previous one is to appeal to a higher authority. This one is known as appeal to an improper authority. Right. So this one um, essentially attempts to use existing respect or positive feelings for a person and set them up as an authority on a subject based solely on that. Yeah. So this is like getting medical advice from a celebrity. I know that's a hot topic oh, these days. Yeah, let's. But it really yeah. is because they are not medical professionals. They did like some of them may have studied it. There, I, I do believe there are some celebrities who, you know, before they became famous, were medics and nurses and stuff like that. But in general, that is not their area of expertise. Right, and even if they studied it before, you know that that knowledge rots. Right, like yeah. so. Um, yeah, this is actually very, very common. You're going to see this pretty much any political debate that is out there, uh, any widespread discussion of basically anything. I've seen people use this to say, well, you know, so-and-so is a programmer and he uses Vim all the time. And he says that Emacs will cause you repetitive strain injury. Okay. Does he, like, does he know any parts of his lower arm other than hand and fingers? Like, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> but you'll see these discussions all the time. It's, it's very common. Now, 
appealing to an authority is not always a fallacy. It's when that person is not an authority on the subject or when you rely too heavily on the opinion of a few people. Yeah. So your example of the developer who always uses Vim. Now, if you appeal to their authority on keyboard shortcuts, well, you know, know they know they will because they can exit that about. they can exit that app to talk to you about it. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, yeah. Whereas, like you know, if you do it in Emacs, you know, your hands get in these positions that look like spiders having a rave. It's awful, but spiders having a rave. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, wrestling or something, but. That person cannot comment authoritatively on repetitive strain injuries at a population level. Now, they could say, hey, my hands hurt more when I did it this way versus what I'm doing now. Yeah, that's that's different. Uh, Another thing, too, is when you rely too heavily on us, the opinions of one or just a few people. Right. So you don't diversify that authority. Now, it may be a very, very niche thing. Where that or that person may be such an authority, like, you know, you're going to talk Linux, you're going to talk, you know, Linus is the authority. Right. But that said, you know, if you go in and you talk to five or 10 other people who are very prominent with the kernel stuff, you're going to learn a lot more. And it may be a thing where you didn't understand the words that came out of his mouth and the way he meant you to understand them, too. Right. Like, there's also the communication problem. It's not even necessarily an authority thing it's just or yeah and and that's that's the thing that's why this is a this is a fallacy the other thing too is he may there may be assumptions made about understanding from one or just a a select group of people whereas if you diversify that group of authority there they will have different levels of assuming your knowledge base right Um, now a sub fallacy of this is an appeal to biased authority. And this happens when the person is an authority, but they may have some reason to be biased about a certain view. Uh, this is why when you go to conference talks, a lot of times the the speakers will say at the beginning, you know, hey, this is this is where I work. This is biases that I may have on this subject. Right. And, you know, the appeal to a biased authority really kind of can weaken your position, right? Like if you are using that, the person disagreeing with you can just point at that instead of actually refuting your point. So you're basically creating a vulnerability for yourself if you do this, mm-hmm. provided that they understand enough to catch you. Well, there's that too. Yeah. To address this fallacy, ask for credentials on why that person is an authority on that subject. Now, I will say one thing I see with the the addressing of this is sometimes people will also use credentials in a way that's not appropriate, right? Um, especially for things that are um, subjective and they'll go, well, you know, people, these people over here feel this way, but this person with credentials says they don't. Well, it's like, are you asking those people? Or are you asking the person with credentials? Well, see, then they would not be an authority on that subject. Right. It'd be an improper authority, but you gotta, you gotta kind of look at the shadings of this a little bit and, well, that's why you have to you have to look at the credentials and go, are they actually an authority here? Right. That's the thing. That's why you ask for those credentials when someone says, oh, this authority figure or this person says it I'm like, all right, well, why are they an authority? Like right. what what makes them an authority on this? Yeah. And in, and in this particular instance, mm-hmm. in in a case where um, something is subjective or something uh, 
you know, there's an exception to the rule and you're, you're appealing to the authority going, Hey, they, they wrote this thing, you know, in general, Linux is a better operating system, but you know, yeah. in this one case where, Hey, I'm doing heavy video gaming or something, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing too, you have to consider with, with this is what they're speaking on. So for example, I, I have suffered from irritable bowel syndrome for quite some time. I can speak to how that makes me feel. I, I am an expert on, you know, I'm an authority on my experience with that and what I, what I've gone through. I'm not as much of an authority on the physiological and the biological things. I, I have quite a bit more knowledge than most people uh, just because of my medical background. <laughs> I realized that as I started saying it, but, but I am not an authority figure on, you know, internal medicine. Right. And you know, your, your approach to it was more, Hey, I'm trying to troubleshoot a problem that I have. Once you solved it, you're like, Hey, here's how I troubleshot the problem. If somebody said, Oh, but you know, where's your research based evidence and credentials? It's like, this is how I solved the problem. Like that isn't, you know, and if someone were to say, well, you know, Beach said this, so we should do it. It's, you know, well, why, why should we do it? Because Beach said it. it's like, well, he has the problem. He dealt with it. Not because he knows about it. He's got, you know, not because of medical degree or research in the field. It's just, you know, Hey, this is what worked for him. And it's, so you have to look at, all right, what is, what are they being used as, as an authority on? And what are the consequences is the other thing. Right? Yeah. Um, because I can try something that, that worked for you and if it's low risk to try it out to see if it works for me, that's good enough for, you know, for individuals, right? Like you don't make, you know, global policy on that and go, Oh, well, it gives, you know, we got to be careful about distributing onions because it causes problems for some people. It's like, no, that like, but if it is causing you problems, then Beach's story is probably useful. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it's just sort of like, uh, like I would suggest anyone having diet or having GI issues to keep a food journal because that's how I figured out my trigger foods, you know, and but I wouldn't suggest, oh, hey, go take this medication that I'm taking for it because one, I'm not a doctor and, you know, that's illegal practicing medicine without a license and all that jazz, but also at least somewhat. <laughs> yeah, but also I'm not an expert in that aspect of it. You know, so you have to you have to look at that, uh, that too. So the next fallacy that we're going to discuss is argumentum ad populum. Yeah, this is also known as the bandwagon fallacy. Translated, this means argument to the people, which sounds like it would be on like some, you know, Soviet era propaganda poster. Um <laughs> <laughs> but um, so it's it's just a strange uh, phrasing. Uh, but, uh, well, that's it's a literal translation. Yeah, of Latin. right. But uh, basically, this is all the cool kids are doing it now. Yeah. Thankfully, we never have this problem in tech ever, ever, because there are no cool kids. Yeah. Well, there's that. <laughs> you know, it's an old set. <laughs> Sorry, I we can't that. make any assertions on it. Done. So it doesn't. It's not a problem, right? It's null propagation. It's not yeah. a thing. Yeah. No. Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, in this fallacy, an argument is assumed to be correct because a large portion of other people agree with it. Right. Like, it's like, 
it's the statement, well, hey, everybody is switching over to doing Scrum, so we should. Right. Yeah, and there's another variant here that's, um, they call it the, the patriotic variation, which states that a belief is true because it's somehow more patriotic than its opposition. Um, mm-hmm. You saw this a lot on TV in the early 2000s, right? Like that was pretty common. You'll, you're going to be seeing it a lot probably for the next, well, basically to your dead. Um, seeing it a lot in, uh, in social media right now. Oh, yeah. About a lot of stuff that's going on, not just, well, a lot of stuff here in the United States, but just across the, the globe you know, in various places, it's, it's, it's interesting. If you look for it, you will see where this kind of appeal to patriotism. Yeah. And it, and it's not just like country level patriotism either, right? Like Mm -hmm. it can be ideals. It can be, this is better for open source. So therefore it's better. This is better for the children or whatever. So it's better, Mm -hmm. you know, without considering other, other costs and risks and, and everything else that are going on. Another variant is the snob, which asserts that one is better or in a group of betters by accepting the argument. So the phrase, all intellectuals would agree, implies that by not agreeing with the argument, you are not an intellectual or you are not intelligent. Right. And, you know, the fact is, is everybody's agreeing, nobody's thinking. Right. And and that's true of, just about everything, right? There's very few things that are just, yeah, there's, I can't understand how somebody would think the opposite based on the evidence, but there's usually going to be some degree of disagreement, variance in opinion, something. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of times the snobbish things are, this is better because this is the way that smart people think, or this is the way that, you know, that are, that compassionate people think, or, you know, whatever your chosen weasel word of the day is for a better person. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of this, this attitude that you are not as good as other people if you don't agree with this. Right. Yeah. And this, this is an emotional play and it really has to be called out very quickly because really popular opinions can turn out to be incorrect or massively destructive given time. Uh, popularity is not an indicator of truth. The 1932 German election. Yeah, well, that's true. I was actually going to say, you know, the popular belief was that the the Earth was flat and the center of the solar system for a very long time. Now, now see, what's going to happen is, is one of these flat Earth people is going to kidnap you or drive you to the edge and chuck you over now. I'm just telling you. That's fine. I'll I'll enjoy the free fall. <laughs> You've even got the soundtrack for that, right? <laughs> you got a top oh, yeah, Betty yeah, song. Yeah. Hey, hey, just you know, if you're gonna do that, at least let me bring my guitar so I can play free fall and as I'm falling <laughs> endlessly <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> in vacuum. <laughs> yeah, now you've got the flat earthers after us, man. That's uh <laughs> Man, I just don't even know what to say about that. So the next one is argumentum ad traditionum. This is also known as argumentum ad antiquatedum. I hope I pronounced that right. It's a really odd word. I'm pretty sure I heard that word on the Passion of the Christ. We'll go with that. (laughs) Cool. Uh, (laughs) uh, This is basically uh, an appeal to tradition. And 
in this, the premise of the argument is considered to be true because people have always believed it to be true. Yeah. And you're going to see this at work um, in the form of, well, it's always worked this way, so we should keep it the same. Or if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. I ran into this discussing remote work with a lot of people last year. Isn't there a book about that? Yeah. But during those discussions, oh, well, th- that won't work. You know, We've always done it this other way, right? We've always had everybody come into the office and there's no reason to fix it. Well, <laughs> turns out you got a reason and now you got to deal with it anyway. If you'd have been smart and tried different ideas, you wouldn't have this problem right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I look at what we did at church with the streaming. When I started on the tech team there uh, last year, I mentioned, I was like, hey, you know, we've got the equipment. We could we could do some podcasting and some streaming stuff. And like they did not make this argument. The What I was told was that we've actually been thinking about that, um, but we didn't really have anyone who knew what knew about it. And it's like, well, I've now that you've put your foot in it. Yeah. I'm like, well, I've walking. I've done some. <laughs> and so they started looking into it before, like a year before all this stuff happened. Yeah. And so that when when it did, it wasn't a, oh my goodness, we gotta figure this out. It was, hey, we've been looking into this and this is what we this is what equipment we have, this is how we can use it, this is what we need to get. And we were able to very quickly, like within a matter of two weeks. From when we were like, we're meeting this week and we're going to start looking at, all right, what happens if they tell us we can't meet to the very next week we couldn't meet and we were streaming. Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was, but it was because they had already been thinking that way when it got brought up. It, they didn't take a, Hey, we've always done this. Um, literally at the conference that was at today, uh, one of the sessions was about, this very attitude, this appeal to tradition, this, it was, Hey, you have to look at your systems and go, are they working? Cause sometimes we can fall in love with a system because we all, we know it, we've always done it. And that is not the way to be. That's not the way to be effective. Yeah. And this looks like common sense, but what happens here is that, you know, the old solution looks like common sense too, to the people that are in that headspace. And so they don't typically address the question of, is there a better way? You know, has some other opportunity presented itself or another problem? Yeah. The, the attitude of it's always worked this way seems like common sense until you have a global pandemic. Yeah. And then nothing's and common you have sense. to think of new ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, overcoming tradition is very difficult. Um, and it requires a lot more evidence than you might think you need. Um, there's a reason traditions have survived in many cases, as long as they have, right. Then you've got to provide evidence that somewhat overcomes that or shows a better way, right? Like you can't just go around removing Chesterton's fence, right? So you're going to have to come prepared if you're um, dealing with people that are, that are in this headspace, essentially. And you also have to be patient, right? Like you can't go, Hey, we're going to change all this today. Mm -hmm. People have to grow into things. There's, there's sometimes even ideas that a lot of people agree with, you can't get them to implement those ideas very quickly mm-hmm. because they're uncomfortable, even if they agree with them, maybe especially if they agree with it, because they're worried that they'll, they're wrong and that they'll champion some idea that you pushed and, you know, it'll be the thing. And then when it blows up, they get blamed. Yeah. And, and this can be very frustrating, especially if you are 
someone like like myself who sees potential and sees possibilities all the time like i am i'm constantly having to fight off the frustration of i see something i'm like this would be a great idea i present it and get turned down only for you know weeks months years later it to be adopted yeah i'm like i had this idea weeks ago i had this idea years ago and you didn't do it but now you're doing it. Yep. And it's just, it can be, it can be very frustrating, but what has to happen is, and I've had this happen with, with Will, you know, you gotta, you gotta present the idea and let him stew on it for a bit. You know, like the idea of podcasting. Yeah. How long did that take? Six months? <laughs> About so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it wasn't something I wanted to do initially. Obviously that's changed. Yeah. Um, Cause I think we would know if it hadn't. <laughs> Um, but Will's Will's attitude was not the he didn't have this appeal to tradition. He was just not not in a headspace ready to do that. And so I presented the idea and had to let him stew on it. And well, and other things had to get in line yeah. too, right? Because my job situation was kind of uncertain mm-hmm. around then, and you know I had to had to get to a more stable position. on a lot of things or get to where it was looking like it was going to get more stable. Yeah. I I can't think of the exact right term, but a friend of ours calls it um, planting mental time bombs where you like plant an idea, you know, in someone's head and then, you know, you maybe feed it a little bit, but you don't harp on it. You sort of let it grow until it's like, it's grown. I guess the movie inception was kind of about that idea. I mean, if you, really boil it down and, you know, get through all the confusing dream within a dream within a dream stuff. Uh, then yeah, I think Rick and Morty did it better. I haven't seen either. Uh, um, (laughs) so there you go. (laughs) Well, there's that. Uh, so on that, the, the next fallacy we're going to discuss is argumentum ad misericordium. I think I pronounced that right. Yeah, this is an appeal to emotion or translated as the argument from pity or argument to compassion. Yeah, emotions can be used to motivate or to rile up people, but it's not a premise or a support for a logical argument. So like in rhetoric, emotion is very, very heavily used in in writing in like getting emotion in music and poetry emotion is very very important and a very key element to those things in logical debate logical arguments emotion is not like the emotional state of someone or how it makes you feel is not a premise or a support for a logical argument right because a lot of times it's used to push an idea that is impossible mm-hmm. right I mean, it's absolutely miserable that people die, right? You know, their families are standing around crying around the casket. Don't you think we should stop people dying? I mean, look at all the misery you could end if you did that. But like, that's not possible. But don't you think we should for the children? Right. Like that's the sort of and it's it's usually not quite that bad. But I've seen a lot of stuff where somebody talks about what should happen. And the thing that should happen is actually not possible. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like physics is in the way. 
Yeah. I mean, there's actually a few, um, a few movies and stories I've read that address what would happen if people stopped dying. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole season of uh, Torchwood about it. Miracle Day was the name of that season. Uh, very interesting. What was the, there was a story we had to read. Uh, Tuck is a uh, Tuck everlasting. Yeah. You remember that? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, but, but you'll see this a lot. I mean, you know, an emotional state is important as far as personal stuff, right? Like you, you can't be like a doctor male writing a prescription for everything in your life, right? Emotions matter, but they're not logic and they don't, they don't get you to a solution in a lot of things, especially the kind of things you deal with day to day in mm-hmm. code. But they're not, they're not relevant in discerning the truth or falsity of an argument. You know, now it's, let's say, and I'm going to use Amanda as an example here. So heads up, Amanda, mm. I know you li- you're listening, but this is not a real it's an argumentum ad Lord help him. Because <laughs> <laughs> the Latin word. Yeah, that. yeah. I mean, let's, let's say Amanda and I have an argument and, you know, something is said that, you know, hurts my feelings um, or something is done that hurts my feelings. Uh, so you notice how it's my feelings getting hurt because I don't want, you know, my physical right. body to get hurt. Right. <laughs> you know, so she points out that you have split ends. <laughs> there you go. Which I actually kind of do right now. I need to go to the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Land the plane. Uh, so anyway, uh, at that point, me stating how I feel because it's an interpersonal situation. This goes back to you know, communication training, the, the, I feel statements, you know, this, I feel this way when this happens, that is relevant in a interpersonal situation. However, in an argument or when you're trying to prove something is, is like the best way of doing a thing or why are you trying to, when you're trying to prove that you should be allowed to work remote three days a week, Talking about how it makes you feel is not a good argument. Right. Oh, man. I don't even want to get on that tangent. That said, though, coming around to it, you can say how it will improve morale because that is a measurable thing. Yeah, I think the the trick here is is realizing when your feelings are signal versus when they're noise mm-hmm. based on the communication channel. Yeah. Now, when this does come up, like the previous fallacy, appeals to emotion have to be called out directly for what they are. You know, you you just have to say, hey, this is not relevant to the conversation. This is, you know, you this is trying to get people riled up, trying to get me riled up about the situation. And it takes a lot of self-awareness to realize you're getting riled up because like someone who's good at this can make it sound like a valid argument and get you riled up and get you going off and then go, you know, derail the whole argument. Because even if you are right, if you get riled up about something they said, then you've lost the argument anyway. Right. And speaking of people getting riled up, um, the next one is argumentum ad hominem. The personal attack, or a better way of putting it, poisoning the well fallacy. And it literally translate at it 
and it literally translates as argument toward the man. Yeah, this is an insult disguised as evidence for an argument. You know, somebody makes an assertion that the sky is blue. You look at them and you go, you know, dude, you can't even draw. You're not an artist. You're not qualified to say that that's blue. Yeah. You know, it's it's an attack versus a, well, you know, no, it isn't. You know, blue is, you know, these between these two shades, of course, once you get into color theory, that's probably not the best example, right? <laughs> Because <laughs> I've looked at, we looked into doing a show outline on that, and it's like, yeah, that's going to be a minute. Yeah, <laughs> color theory. Oh my goodness, can't believe you brought that up in a logical oh. <laughs> fallacy. I know it sounded great when I started. It was just sort of like, you know, honestly, you could use this as an ad hominem for me for explaining ad hominems, right? Like it could be like a recursive ad hominem. It's like you can't explain ad hominem because you use color theory to explain ad hominem. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Throw in some recursion there. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's how you fix everything, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Right. You know, um, another thing could be you could be in a meeting and, you know, a planning meeting even. Let's say you're doing sprints um, and you're in a sprint planning meeting and someone suggests something and the response is, well, you know, you're a QA. You don't know anything about API development. So what you said you know, is completely irrelevant or it like, you know, we don't have to listen to you or that's a dumb idea because you don't know what you're talking about being a QA. And it's like, that doesn't mean it's not a good idea. I've gotten a lot of really great ideas from suggestions of non-technical people in meetings. Uh, And I have too, and not even in meetings. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, sometimes somebody will say something random to me and I'm like, Oh crap. You know? And it, it, it flips a light on. You've got to be open to potentially getting information from sources that are unconventional if the information is correct or useful. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing too here is they may not know what they're talking about. Literally, I have had managers um, and, and QA people and BAs and developers. Well, there's some of those, but I've had people, non-technical people say, well, hey, you know, can we just do it this way or can we do this? And you have to explain why saying, Hey, you're not a developer. You wouldn't understand. That's an ad hominem. That's attacking them for not having, having that knowledge. That right. Is not, that's not a good way to win an argument because what's going to happen is, especially if it's someone in management, they're just going to go find someone who can. And yeah, they're going to appeal to power. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> appeal right, to like real power the- because they have it. Yeah, and they're, yeah. they'll go find someone who can do it or who will explain to them why they why it's a bad idea or why they shouldn't. A lot of times, if they're not a good manager, they'll go find someone who will do it, even though it's a bad idea. You know, and I, I've seen that happen before. Thankfully, not where I work, but, uh, you know, in places where I've done some consulting in the past. Uh, now, what... Um, what you have to watch out for here is that it's real easy to fall into this without even realizing it because yeah, the person doesn't know what they're talking about, but saying that is an insult saying, explaining to them, Hey, you know that I, I see where you're going with it. Here's why that wouldn't work out. It, that actually addresses like that, that actually attacks their statement, what they said and doesn't attack them. And it shows them respect. Even if, you know, even if they're not management and you don't have to show them respect, I think you should respect everyone. But, you know, 
yeah, it just keeps the communication channel open too, so that it can continue to be a discussion, not a fight. Yeah. And that's, that's the big thing here. Now there's a, a sub category here. The, I think it's two quo quo. I'm not, I think it's to Coke. Didn't it? Um, it's one of those Latin words. That's sort of like a lot of French words in that every letter after the first one is a suggestion. <laughs> I mean, you think about like the word Q, right? Like every letter after the first one is silent. Um, <laughs> it's, it's one of those, but anyway, um, it's a, you also fallacy. So the idea here is, you know, you're attacking the person making the argument instead of the argument itself. So it'd be, for instance, Hey, this company, you know, trashes the ocean. Well, you know, I saw you throw a cup out your window yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of, well, you did it too. No. Um, it's playground tactics. Or if say like I said, Hey, I don't think will is the best choice for, managing this project because it's a high profile project and he doesn't have a lot of project management experience. And instead of him coming up with why he should, his response is, well, neither should beach because beach doesn't have any project management experience. It's like, no, it's, and that's not what I would do though. Right. Cause I would be like, Hey beach, you go do that. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I know that's not what you would do. I'm using this as an example. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I totally would I <laughs> like. I don't want to manage a prominent project. No, <laughs> that's why I used you as an example. Is because I knew you. I would, would add homonym myself out of that one, <laughs> and then you would have to like do the reverse and add homonym. Well, I'm terrible too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, this the 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 thing is when someone makes a a valid argument against you, like not an attack, but just a like like that where it's like, oh, hey you're not a very good fit for this, this position for these reasons. And instead of going, Oh, well, here's why I am. You come back with, well, neither are you. It's the, Oh, you're trying to take this away from me attitude instead of the, Hey, let me show you why I am the right choice. Right. No kind of thing. Now, when personal attacks come out, the logical side of the argument or discussion is over. You know, I mean, this yeah. it's no longer a debate. It's no longer a logical argument. It's an attack. It can escalate to a yelling match or or worse. And at this point, it's best to just walk away. Right. And then the last one is argument from personal incredulity. Um, there's not really a fancy Latin name for this one. It basically, you're saying, I don't understand it, so it must be wrong fallacy we'll call it the julius caesar fallacy no i can go to the senate today (laughs) what are you talking about yeah um personal incredulity is the assertion that the argument is false because you don't understand the argument or the evidence behind it right and this fallacy is commonly used to invalidate evidence by stating that it can't be used to support the argument because the person doesn't understand it and that would be the target doesn't understand it yeah I mean, this this would be like management saying, no, we can't we can't try out agile because it doesn't make any sense. It just yeah, we can't do that because it's it's nonsense. Right. Uh, another, you know, possibly uh, better example. If you look at Galileo and, and some of them, you know, the arguments they were making for the motion of planets and, and the like. You know, it didn't make sense to the people in charge at that point. And so they're like, oh, this is garbage because we don't understand it. 
Oh, I, I see how it is. I pull out relevant in our lifetime examples and you got to be all like, I am so smart. I am going to pull out the scientific history example. Well, I didn't want to defend Agile necessarily. <laughs> I couldn't help just it. The way, that was just, just the way it is the way now. You're just, like, I, you're just like, a better <laughs> example would be. <laughs> I just couldn't. I, I was like, you know, I, I didn't want to go along with the necessarily defending Agile because a lot of times it doesn't make sense even to people that understand it. <laughs> At least as implemented, right? Um, <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't. Yeah, whether a person understands something is not relevant to the truth of the thing. However, convincing them of it may require a really patient explanation of how the thing works. Yeah. Um, and, and you can look on any conspiracy theory thing on the internet and you'll see this everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is literally the, the concept of what you believe doesn't change the truth of the matter. Yeah. yeah. And what you can comprehend doesn't. Change. It's, it's very similar to, the appeal to tradition where you just have to be patient and walk through it if they don't get it. And this is, this is a key thing. If they don't get it, don't continue to repeat the same thing. I have to watch myself on this because sometimes I'm talking to people and I'm like, I'm talking to other developers who just are not getting what I'm saying. And I'm like, I don't know how I could lay this out more plainly to you. Like I've told you the exact line of code where the problem lies. What, what more do you want from me? Yeah. I think part of the, part of the issue sometimes is just, you've got to realize that if they're not getting it, you're either, you either have a problem with the Mm -hmm. communication channel or you have a problem with the receiver of the communication or with you, right? Like there's three parts and you got to diagnose which one it is not send the same signal. Yeah. Yeah, and that's 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 a key thing and that takes patience and that takes a lot of self-awareness because you're like it makes perfect sense to me and you ask someone else and they're like, "Well, yeah, what you said makes perfect sense. I don't know why they don't get it." It's, you know, it's on them, but the thing is, you as the communicator, it may be their problem as why they're not getting it, but you as the communicator, it's on you to to make it so that they can understand it. Well, I mean, you and I do this all the time, right? Like you, one of us will get stuck and they'll message the other one going, Hey, I'm having this problem. Mm -hmm. I explained it like this. They don't get it. Am I being dense the way I'm explaining it? Or are they being dense or yeah, should I use different words? You know, like, is there some, you know, cause you kind of have to have almost a sanity check on the way you're explaining things with this. So you can figure out what's going on. And you as a participant in that system of communication, don't know enough to debug the system because you're part of it. You're going to run into logical fallacies all the time, um, especially in informal conversations with friends or on social media or in business, just, you know, all over the place. It's important to understand that fallacies are faults in the logic of an argument because what someone says contains fallacies. That doesn't mean that they're not correct, right? Like this isn't a get out of truth free card. It just means that their particular argument that they used to express that did not prove them correct. Uh, keep that in mind and be lenient on those who may commit those fallacies. Uh, use the knowledge here to better your own use of logic when you're arguing your point. So we want to thank Lucas again from Level Up Financial Planning 
for sponsoring this week's episode. Through his sponsorship, Lucas is helping Will and I to achieve our podcasting goals, just like he'll help you achieve your financial goals. That pretty much wraps us up. What do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I've noticed something in recent months, I guess. Um, And a lot of this is due to COVID. A lot of it's due to finishing up my second book. And that's that goals have value. And if you don't really have something that you're actively working towards, it really uh, takes the edge off your ability to work your way through life. And I've kind of, I've kind of refocused on a lot of stuff uh, here lately. And I've noticed a a pretty profound uh, shift in my mood as, as a result of that. And so I know a lot of people with all the um, dumpster fire that COVID has created, you know, among other things, you know, cause like here we had the, was it, we had the tornado, we had COVID and then we had the Derrico or Derricho or whatever the, the straight line winds that broke a bunch of stuff. And then we've had, you know, civil unrest and we've had, I forget what the other things were. When you're in these kind of situations, uh, it, it helps to have something that you're working towards versus uh, just bouncing around um, as a result of everything going on. It's, you know, a, a ship is more stable on the sea when it's sailing versus when it's sitting still in a storm. Um, and so I just want to suggest that everybody really, really try, try very hard to figure out what you're actually going for and then start going that way, especially if you're starting to feel a little bit down with everything going on. I really think it'll help. And that's all I got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Complete Dev Pod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.